the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 84, recorded Friday, March 29th, 2013. The new wire is air. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host for this week. Uh, with us this week is Ms. Dawn Mead. She is known as AV Dawn, the AV goddess extraordinaire. She also works for NetAV. Uh, she's the marketing and media coordinator. How are you, madam? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, also with us week, this week, also, also with us this week, it's only... Two o'clock in the afternoon. Apparently, I'm sloshed. Uh, is Michael Braithwaite? You know what? It's Good Friday. Uh, he's the chief strategy officer for Clear One. Welcome, sir. Michael. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, he, he, Michael's a newbie, so Don be easy on him. Uh, <laughs> this this week, we're going to talk about the fact that Google Glass uh, may actually be a remote control or the coolest. It's either the coolest remote control or the geekiest remote control. I'm not sure which. Uh, and it'll make fighting over the remote control even even uh, more interesting. Uh, also, uh, John Siaka responds to uh, a, a blog post by Andrew Robinson about whether or not the home theater is doomed. Dun, dun, dun. And we're going to play a little track from our buddy uh, Hi-Fi talking about uh, a very interesting place to put digital signage. Let's just leave it at that for the time being. Okay. Uh, first up, a couple different display stories we've got this week, guys. One is from Mashable. Dawn and I have been unapologetically waiting for OLED. Yes, please. For years. <laughs> Uh, I think that um, I think my 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 grandfather and I back in the 30s were you know no not really, uh, but here's the thing it, it's it's one of the things that that over the last six months or so people have been talking about UHD TV right the the 4K and what will eventually be 8K I'm not trying to be snarky here but that is what's coming down the pike next right it's the it's the it's already in certain uh, certain projectors and such, but right now we're talking about in flat panels 4K. And we've kind of leapfrogged uh, or, or left HD behind, and, and, and 4K is, is the new HD. Uh, it's called Ultra HD for a reason. And, and people have kind of tied the two together, have tied OLED to the success of 4K, meaning as successful as one will be, the other one will, will be as well. Well, here comes along uh, another, uh, I say another display, because Sony had a, a 4K display a couple months ago. This one is a bit more expensive. It's from Samsung. It comes in at a uh, paltry forty thousand uh, dollars. Don, is this? Let me ask it this way: Is this a good thing? Because just like when when plasmas came out, you know, the the seven twenties and the ten eighties, when those first came out, those were twenty and twenty five thousand dollars. People actually bought them, and those for early adopters made it possible for you and me to to grab one at a thousand dollars. You know, ten years later. Well, you have to start somewhere. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I desperately want OLED and even Ultra HD to a point, but I, I don't have that kind of money laying around, so I'm not going to be an early adopter here. Um, but I, I mean, you have to start somewhere, but you also have to keep in mind there's a limit on the number on the amount of content that's available currently. I, I mean, I recently went to the movie theater and finally saw a movie that says it used red cameras to shoot. Oh wow. And I was I was all excited. I'm in the theater going, smacking Mr. A.V. Dawn and saying, look, 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 you know, red UHD, UHD. But, you know, it, once Oz, it was the Wizard of Oz movie, mm -hmm. but once Oz comes out, yeah, that'll probably be available in Ultra HD. But it's going to be like when we first went to HD TVs and it was all standard definition content. It looked better. It wasn't fabulous. But, you know, if you're plopping down 40 grand, you want it to look fabulous. You want yes. it to like rub your neck while you're watching TV, you know, so, but you got to start somewhere. I'm not buying it, but hopefully someone rich and, and cutting edge wants it. 
Uh, Michael, this is not. I'm not rich nor cutting edge. I'm still wearing <laughs> bell bottoms, uh, which eventually will come back in. I'm I'm cons- I'm convinced. Uh, Michael, is this something where it, it's it's good that the fact that they're actually producing them now, because like you know, Don and I have said, you know, it, eventually they will come down to a level where we can, you know, us normal folks can can afford them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's definitely good to see uh, that the technology is is coming, and of course, uh, who needs that new car? When, uh, <laughs> you know, this uh, you can watch where you were going to drive in that car anyways. Well, and it, it'll be almost like you were there. <laughs> exactly. With that, so you don't need the you don't need the car. Michael has actually come up with a brilliant idea. It is the greenest thing that you can do is purchase this forty thousand dollar TV, because here's the thing. Uh, it, you don't have to go anywhere. You can just look like, you know, you can watch TV and, and make it look like you were there. So <laughs> I don't know. That was a bit of a stretch. Uh, also with us uh, are talking about displays is from the USA Today is a 100, 100 inch laser TV. Uh, it's it's from LG. And I don't know. They, they, they couched it in the midst of March Madness. Um, which, if you do March Madness, I, I'm sorry, because, because I don't think anybody had uh, East Florida, Gulf Coast, whatever their their name is, uh, in in the Sweet 16. So everybody's you know bracket, unless you probably went there. Um, but is this Don? Is this just one more type of of technology where you know what? It's not it's not OLED, right? But it's another step in the right direction, or or is it the step a step in the right direction? It's kind of a misnomer, actually. The The headline on this article says, 100-inch laser TV. It's a short-throw projector yeah. and a screen. I mean, it, anybody can have that. And, and, and a lot of people can have it for, for less than what this particular model is going for. I mean, you go to Infocom, check out the short-throw projectors and grab one. So, um, you know, it, it, it's just a projection option. I, I kind of see it as a non-story. Like, well, they're it's March Madness and we have to have a story and let's do a tech thing. And, and what do we got? Uh, okay. Ultra HD isn't here yet. OLED isn't here yet. Uh, let's pretend we have a laser TV and, <laughs> you know, hype it. But, but it has a tuner in it. But, yeah. But you know, <laughs> tuners are like a couple hundred bucks from contemporary research or whoever. You just grab a little box and stick it on your projector. No big deal. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's just kind of bundling what we've already got and, making it a story in time for the basketball craziness, which I'm not a basketball fan, so March Madness means nothing to me. But, you know, I don't yeah. know. I didn't dig it. No, I'm not either. Dawn and I are, are still are, are both waiting on our couches, waiting for uh, the first weekend in August. So <laughs> if you don't know what that is, it's football. So well, it's, I, it's a real sport. We, we, we got Stanley Cup coming up, too. We We're, do. We do. I'm, I'm, I'm undefeated right now, like 15 games or something ridiculous. So, you know, it's. And I'm and I'm a blues fan, and we'll leave it at that because <laughs> I'm not. Um, Michael, is this uh, is this kind of a, you know USA Today you know basically packaging what we've seen at, at Infocom, or is it is it, is it genuinely kind of cool and unique when it comes to you know the the reason I, I like the story is because honestly because of the tuner because it makes it feel more like an actual TV. Yes, I, I agree. There's actually some really interesting applications, uh, primarily on the higher ed and in the corporate space. Um, the the big benefit that you see from this, and I agree that uh, we've already had uh, projection, you know, with short throw and, and different lens options like this for a while. But the um, one of the uh, deterrents, so to speak, in in some of these markets are the uh, maintenance of them. And so uh, the fact that the, um, the ability to have a much longer lifespan without having to constantly be changing bulbs out um, and for some of these uh, markets, especially higher ed, is a very attractive thing because they're not actually purchasing this on the upfront uh, $89.99 uh, change that Tim has in his pocket uh, price. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they they usually are buying these based on here's the kind of uh, maintenance budget that we have annually, and when you have to uh, calculate in a couple bulbs and and the maintenance of going around and changing all those, uh, it does start to make sense for some of these applications. No, and that is one thing I, I didn't think about is the fact that you have 
the, you know, the, the full cost, you know, the long-term cost of these things, not just, you know, the, uh, the upfront pricing as, as it were. Um, yeah, that, that, I mean, that, that's a great point. I have a lampless, a lampless projector that I got at last Infocom and, and I love it for that reason. The, the, the long-term, you know, total cost of ownership of it is fantastic. So, all right, all right you're, you're winning me over on this story. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the one other thing is, is, is over the last few years, the whole lampless idea has you know turned into it's it's not it's not you know you you know uh, hd uh dvd versus blu-ray by any stretch of the imagination but it's an interesting debate because uh, my my you know my daytime job i work for a college and that's that's one of the issues that we have is the 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 long-term cost of things and you've got your projectors that Oh, good lord! Any given year, you're you're putting out between seven hundred and fifty and a thousand dollars, depending on the lumens, depending on the, on the manufacturer. Uh, but the long term cost of those is is probably more in the neighborhood of about fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. If you if you're starting with round numbers at about a, about a grand, if you purchase a a lampless you know projector for I don't know a thousand, twelve hundred dollars, even if you equal the the long term cost, the maintenance cost you'll save you know in other words in, in man hours is pretty substantial so the problem then is is convincing the the accountants that it's it works all works out so <laughs> that's always difficult uh from from our buddies over at ce pro uh our uh, julie jacobson writes the control fours hardware centralized lighting control system is here dun 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 <laughs> michael i get the feeling over the last Probably over the last six months, everybody who's anybody in the world of control is getting into lighting. Is that a fair statement? It's it's a very fair statement. You've got large players uh, that have uh, traditional players, of course, and you know some of the lighting companies that have been around for a long time have been acquired by other companies, and so there's a a lot of movement in this category. Uh, I'll even throw out something else that's slightly different than than the, the Julie's article here, and that is um, if you look on some of these crowdfunding sites, mm-hmm. you'll see an amazing amount of lighting projects, lighting dimmer projects uh, that are that are going on. But uh, as far as Control Four goes here. Um, you know, some may say, well, uh, you know, what's the big deal and, and, and what do they have? Uh, you know, the, the real interesting innovation that I saw with this product was um, not so much with the uh, dimmers themselves and, and even the communication or, or controlling it uh, via your mobile device, but it's more in the fact of the mechanical engineering. So if you look at the, the way the buttons uh, are designed and the way that a end user potentially could come in very easily without removing the dimmer and change the configuration of the buttons. Uh, so if you think about it, when when we're working on, when the AV, Pro AV business uh, works on a divisible room or an area where I'm configuring this room for different events that are happening all the time. Usually, you can't just walk in with a lighting dimmer and say, oh, you know, okay, this room now has these buttons and this room has this. Um, but this actually starts to open that up where potentially the hotel staff or someone that's setting up this uh, divisible room could immediately change these buttons without modifying the programming or removing the dimmer, which, you know, uh, has its own uh, issues from an electrical contractor point of view. So that was the best thing that I saw from it. I mean, I, I think it's uh, an interesting product, uh, just like the like you mentioned, the dozen others. Yeah. But um, the this aspect of you could reconfigure the user controls without removing the dimmer is pretty interesting. Well, and Don, Michael's right. Everybody has been getting into this. Is this kind of, I'm, I'm going to call it the nest effect, where some of these manufacturers, and, and this is not, not saying that, that Control 4s is because it's actually quite robust. I mean, the, the picture that they have on there is a, is, an, you know, is a regular looking, you know, lighting panel with wires that I should never touch. Let's just be frank about it. <laughs> um, but is this kind of the nest effect where, uh, putting in the hands of not just integrators but also DIYers, 
the ability to add more and more automation when it comes to home lighting control? Short answer, yes. Long answer, I am so glad you phrased it as the nest effect, going from lighting to to environmental. But it's all you know, kind of like heating and HVAC. Yeah. And, and and my my thing is, I see this story. It, it it could be read as yeah, it's just another lighting from another control company, but I think it's pretty indicative of the steps that we're taking as an industry, and as as business in general, not just the AV industry, but the greater business world to complete and total building management, smart buildings, integrating all of your mechanical, your IT, your um, environmental, all of that under one sort of, you know, magic touch the panel and everything happens header. And, and I mean, this is something we talked about in November, the Infocom 100, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, you know, think tank Infocom puts together every year. That was the topic was bringing together all of these different what used to be totally different industries and totally different um, parts of building management and 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 um, the business world, you know, and putting them under one umbrella of controlling the way we work and the way we live and our environments in every aspect, you know, on, from one panel or from one iPad or from one whatever. And so I, I think we're going to be seeing more and more stories like this where the traditional AV control and AV companies are sort of eking into these other areas, mechanically, electrically, security, all of those things. We're kind of, it's a greater convergence than the AVIT convergence that we underwent already. And it's going to be coming. And if you're smart as an integrator, you're going to think about it and you're going to get somebody that knows BACnet, which is the building mm-hmm. automation controls. Like with John, I was talking to someone from Johnson Control yesterday and we had a great conversation about this very topic. You know, so you're going to, you're going to see AV integrators hiring people that know BACnet. You're going to see AMX, Crestron, Control 4, whoever starting to consider these things as a bigger part of their business. And, you know, the smart building, it's coming. It's maybe not immediate, but start thinking about it and and this story is a great great example of that so is this a a, a case where at infocom infocom is is about two actually two months uh not even not not even two months away is it uh no i'm not even three months away um and is it a case where we're going to start seeing honeywell and johnson controls and and train at infocom or is it more where we're going to start seeing crestron and clear one and amx and the like at shows that those guys normally go to? And the answer is probably a greater yes. We're (laughs) going to start seeing a little bit of crossover both directions. Um, And this is something we did talk about at the, at the 100 extensively is, you know, they, they had people at the, the, the little conference from the AV industry. They had IT people there. They had facilities management people there and people that own, you know, all the office buildings in 12 greater Metro areas or whatever. And they had people from like Johnson Controls and we all were discussing like who's going to be taking charge of this? Who's going to be like the head umbrella, you know, and nobody really had a firm answer because it's all sort of all evolving as we go. But chances are it'll fall under IT because, you know, everybody respects and knows IT and they own everything. But who in of all of those industries I mentioned actually has the hands-on experience of taking disparate crap that isn't designed to work together and integrating it to make it work together. Yeah. And that's the AV integrators. I mean, that's what we do with video and audio and, and lighting and shades and whatever else that you put into a system. So I think we're going to be, if, if, if we're smart as an industry, we're going to be working hand in hand with the IT folks and the mechanical folks are just going to start coming to our shows and we're going to show up at theirs and it, it's just going to all meld together. Well, that that is the case. Is the fact that that whether it's AMX or Crestron or, or Aurora, or whoever, whatever control company you're talking about, um, <laughs> these guys have been doing this for years. So mm. you're right. It'll be fun to watch <laughs> at least. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to AV Week. That 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 very nice lady right there. Uh, her name is AV Dawn. She is known as Dawn Mead, marketing and media coordinator for Net AV. Also with us is Michael Braithwaite. Uh, he is the chief strategy officer for Clear One. So, uh, we have a friend at, at AV Week. We actually, we have one friend at AV Week. Everybody else doesn't like us. Uh, his name is Phil Cordell. He's known as Hi-Fi. Um, Craig McCormick wrote, wrote an interesting article 
about digital signage and, and we'll play a piece by Phil here in a second. But okay. So it is, first of all, it's a minor league team. It's not like you're going to see this at Yankee stadium, but they have, they have urinal videos. Uh, there's not really a nice way to put this. Uh, it is the, I think it's, this is how you pronounce it. Lehigh Valley iron pigs, um, have the first, what they're calling the first, face level public urinal display um here let's play something from phil here peruse a menu and hit your target audience at any venue it'll make the fist pump like a cineo hall when they get a glimpse of your giant video wall a great way to guarantee i read it all is face level placement on my urinal Reach yes face placement on my urinal that was he <laughs> rhymed that with with Arsenio Hall. So he's a very talented young man. Uh, Michael, is this a. Okay, so let's be honest here. Is this too far? Um, bathroom digital signage, and especially right there where you're doing your business? <laughs> well, uh, some some folks in digital signage would call this a captive audience, uh, <laughs> so to speak. And it does bring a whole new meaning to the word uh, gesture based controls. But, oh, my. <laughs> indeed it does (laughs) i do think that you will see more and more of this type not necessarily urinal based but wherever you are based uh signage and there are lots of companies out there that uh, the one thing that is not the, uh, apparent in the uh, article uh, but is in the technology is that there are sensors that are um, looking at the person who is watching the screen. And so um, they're doing that to capture the demographics. Now, you would say, well, isn't this sign in a men's journal? So I, I know a little bit about the demographics already. And that could be. But generally what they do is they're trying to, if you're familiar with what some of the um, Xbox 360 and, and uh, some of the Kinect and, and guys are doing, is they're watching where you're looking at the screen so that they can improve or replace the ads. So, uh, you know, that's it's it's definitely intruding into every area, including uh, going to, uh, you know, relieve yourself. Now, let me like, hang on for a second. Time out. First of all, you're telling me that, that there is record, not recording devices, but there are cameras. That's in, correct. In the men's. It's, and ahead. it's not recording. It's not recording. Oh, it's, sure. Uh, it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm too much of a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not recording. It's only it's looking. It's just like uh, I believe we're going to be talking about glass coming up. Yeah. It's the same thing where it's tracking dive movement. And so it does report back certain demographic information of where you're looking on the screen or in some cases in the men's journal, are you looking at the screen? Are you looking somewhere else? So it could even bring up an alert for that matter. Okay. And the second thing is, doesn't this sound awfully close to minority report where, (laughs) and this is not the, this is not the tinfoil hat Tim coming out. I'm I'm honestly Mm -hmm. asking the question. It, does that not sound awfully minority report ish? When I don't know if you're familiar with the movie, but during the movie, not the not the future crime part, but when uh, when the character played by Tom Cruise was running through uh, some terminal of some sort, the the digital signage that was in the movie was was specializing and and, and personalizing the ads for him specifically. He was saying, uh, I don't recall the, the character's name, but let's say it was Tom Cruise. It was saying, hi, Tom, we know that you're, you know, uh, of short stature, so here's some some lifts, or, you know, we know that, that you're into this, that, and the other. Um, are we getting there? I mean, is that what we're, we're saying here, is that eventually we will have actual, you know, Michael-specified ads and Dawn-specified ads? Uh, yes. Tim? I would say, Tim Sweet, if you think we're not already there, you're delusional. I'm delusional. Yeah, seriously. I mean, we're already to the point that just by looking at someone's shopping, uh, what do you call it, customer club purchases, Target was able to let a family know that their daughter was pregnant before Before her family did. No, before she knew. Yeah, I mean, they were were able to to, um, 
basically, you know, use what purchases she had and use their predictive analytics and determine that she was expecting. And this father started, they started getting ads for maternity things for their 16 year old. I mean, we're already in that world. This is just a more techie way of doing that. Um, you know, and, and, and this kind of thing was coming way back when, um, a couple years ago, when we first started seeing the little screens on your gas pumps yeah. and while you're pumping your gas, they show commercials. Now the cynic in me wants to say, you know, this is just yet another example of the marginalization of women in technology, you know, because like the men get video games at their <laughs> urinals, whereas our, you know, uh, cubicle video games or whatever, you know, women are gamers too. Women like technology too, but yeah. It's just kind of skeevy <laughs> overall. I think the whole story is a little skeevy, but I mean, we're already there from the marketing perspective that there are customized ads. They they read, you know, they can some of the near field communication stuff. So the the sensors can tell like who basically is coming past and and even the location based things like Foursquare and whatnot. If you're a member of those and you're signed in and you go walking past your your local coffee place, it can push an ad to you because it knows you know. If you check in somewhere or you're nearby, it'll say, here, here's an ad for the coffee place next door. Mm -hmm. Come have a cup on us. I mean, we're already in that world. This is just a really disgusting example of it. That's the other thing is is one thing that I think that I don't think, well, I, I don't think you're going to see the women's version of this anytime soon <laughs> because it is kind of creepy and I don't think that women will go for it. I could I'm, be wrong. I'm shocked that men will be going for it, honestly. Well, guys are ex exhibitionists, let's be honest. I mean, they don't <laughs> care. They, you know, they use urinals for crying out loud, you know? And that's that's just one giant, you know, anyhow. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll play the, the full version of, of Hi-Fi's uh, track at the end of this. Um, John Siaka writes actually a, um, a, a rebuttal to Andrew Robinson's. Uh, commercial cinema may be doomed, but home theater is far from safe. And John says, wait a minute. We got plenty of stuff going on in home theater, dude. We're, we are fine. Uh, Don, is, is John right here where you know he, he says, you know what, home theater has a lot going for it from, from everything from the THX to you know surround sound, the different flavors of surround sound. Um, something that John and I differ on, I think, is, is 3D. Uh, but uh, when it comes to home theater and, and, and not just huge systems, but but nice systems, uh, are they uh, are they going by the wayside? You know, so is Andrew right, or uh, or is John right when he says that that home theater is not doomed? I think that this argument of is home theater doomed is the same argument they had twenty some years ago. Is hi-fi stereo doomed? There's always going to be a new technology and there's always going to be changing standards of what we expect, whether it's, you know, the, the who who has the biggest rack of speakers and, and the most components on their stereo system from stereo discounters or it or who has the, the, the most surround and the most, you know, subwoofer and, and the biggest screens. I mean, it's, it's all sort of the same keeping up with the Joneses who's well. I'll, I'll be polite after that last story, but whose <laughs> system is bigger, you know, I, as long as there are people that are that are tech heads, there will be a market. It's just maybe going to evolve from what we're selling now as home theaters to whatever the next thing is. You know, the, the, the classic line from Men in Black, oh, great, now I have to buy the White Album again. Yes. You know, it's, it's the same thing. It, it, it's not going away. No. It just may change its flavor a little bit. Michael, is, is, is home theater going away? Is it, is it doomed or is it here to stay? I think it's uh, not only is it here to stay, it's actually seems to be expanding. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've all seen maybe some of these commercials where uh, the, the, the uh, soccer uh, uh, guy fan is going around his house and every drawer he opens is a screen. Well, that's that's a pretty big trend. There are uh, people who, who have their surround sound in their bathrooms. Uh, you, you've got uh, high – with the cost of high-quality flat panels uh, in, in the area that it's in right now, people are putting them all over. And, uh, you know, it's not just uh, home. It, even out in the garage and in the car, you know, there's some THX-certified vehicles now. So you're talking about – um, people enjoying that immersion, that experience, that rich experience, theater type experience in more than just the home theater. Um, 
it, we see it more and more where people in unusual places like kitchens where they have a 7.1 surround sound in a kitchen and you know not that many years ago i don't know that even the exotic uh you know uh residential you know projects had surround sound in every single room but you do see that now you know what you you raise a good point where it's not doomed it's actually expanding <laughs> because here's the thing years ago and and i you know i'm i'm of an age that the television that was in the center of my home was a console television, right? It was a piece <laughs> of furniture. Uh, it's not something we hung on a wall. It's something that my mom put candles and, and home interior stuff on top of. Uh, and I was forced to to to, uh, to dust every single weekend, you know, because I think we had the same mom, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, that's what it was. That's, that's what we had. Right. And the home theater, the hi-fi that, that you know, Don related to was right next to it or, you know, you know somewhere in the, in the vicinity. And we had a record player. And again, I'm in a, of an age. We had an eight track player and, and this, that and the other. And now everybody has something right. You, you've got something in each room. I mean, uh, you, you've got uh, the, the the parents in the, in the master bed, bedroom. You have a, a, a TV, and a lot of times you're going to have some sort of auxiliary speaker system or auxiliary sound in there, simply because the the thinner the, the the TVs, the thinner the displays have gotten. The kind of the the not great the the speakers have gotten for that. Uh, you've got them in the in the in the kitchen, so you can watch you know Rachel Ray or the Pioneer Woman and, and cook along with her and. Um, I do that, so that's that, yeah, that's just me. Um, and you're right, you know, the THX certified cars, um, CNET, uh, one of the probably one of the best known and and one of the well most well done uh, podcasts and and, and uh, shows that they have is their car tech show, um, and it's all about you know the technology that goes into cars. So, and, and don't forget, we've got them at the urinals now. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> At the urinals, I'm gonna I'm gonna give give a, a high fire run for his money. I'm, like, I'm not gonna rap. I'm gonna do like a crooner. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> You're the big the Bing Crosby of uh, AV. Ba, 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 ba. All right. Uh, <laughs> Michael made mention of this. I don't know why I did that because I'm I'm actually recording this. Uh, Google patent says google glass will be the ultimate remote dun 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 i that you know what here's the thing with this and and google glass whether or not you think it's the next biggest thing or you think it's you know something silly uh, it is something that we're going to have to deal with especially in the world of av especially if they get down to it and uh, and they make this some sort of remote um michael is this something that that not just Aurora and Crestron and AMX have to deal with, but you know, you guys at Clear One and and other industry, other manufacturers who have controls that are no longer simply, you know, RS two thirty two. You guys also have controls that are IP based, and you guys are on the network just like everybody else, right? That's right. That's right. And it's uh, I think you you summed it up well, because not just the control manufacturers, but uh, the IT administrators, uh, you know, talking about the uh, bring your own device. Um, when people are walking in wearing some sunglasses, that they're having a live video conference with the other office in a different country, um, you know, that does start to present some of these challenges. Um, as far as the remote control aspect of it, uh, it, it, you know, that remains to be seen, uh, but it does look promising. Uh, the whole augmented rea you know, reality is very powerful uh, once you combine that with some of the other aspects like you know, NFC and, and QR. And when, when you can just look at something and then pop up the URL in there and control it, that's, that's a whole different ballgame. And, and Don, not just that, but you've got a situation now where, you know, let's just say that, that in some households, the fight over the remote, over the remote control is very interesting. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm only laughing because we just recently, Mr. A.V. Don and I discovered that uh, we there's an app for our receiver <laughs> from our satellite company. And we both put the app on our phones. And so one of us will be sitting there with the remote trying to change the channel. And the other will be sitting across the room with their phone changing it back or just being a jerk. And um, 
So, so I'm laughing because it's totally where we're going, except instead of playing with your phone or the touch panel beside you or the actual physical remote from the company, you'll be like blinking and trying to change the channel and bobbing your head or whatever, however you control it. And uh, it, it, it should make for some interesting television viewing in some houses. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, you know, it does present an opportunity for the AV, for for those of us in the AV uh, control business and industry, and that is, um, it, I liken it much to when Crestron and Amex first came around. If you really look at why did um, you know what was the first solution uh, problem that they were solving, and um, if you look back, uh, there was a term for that at uh, one time. If you remember the coffee table. Remember how people used to talk about, oh, I have all these 25 remotes sitting on the coffee table. Mm -hmm. And now I just have this one touch panel and it took care of all those. I mean, that kind of grew several of the control companies into where they are today. What if you look at where we are with, uh, as, as Don just uh, uh, talked about, with the sword fighting uh, over the channels <laughs> there, um, you really have a new version of this, which is what more what you'd call a virtual coffee table. So you have have all of these different apps and that does present that opportunity to okay if i can harness all of those so i can make it easy too because yes us geeks uh, and the av you know professionals we we love all of these controls and that but most of the the general you know public out there um they find it a little difficult so oh yeah my, my wife hates the fact that i have six remotes right now so <laughs> She's like, don't you? Can't you do something with Crestron? Well, yeah, I could, but you know. Anyhow, <laughs> moving on. Uh, this comes to us also from CE Pro. There's a lot of stories from them this week. Um, he, he talks about the the HDMI performance signatures and and the author um, Jeff and I'm going to butcher Jeff's last name, Bocaccio. Uh, Bocaccio. It's Italian. It looks like bocce ball. So. Um, <laughs> talks about you know he asked the question why haven't we seen hdmi cables move to smaller form factors the answer is because they couldn't uh which let my led my weird little brain to thinking okay so if we can't get smaller performance specs when it comes to hdmi and and i'm not going to get into uh, whether or not hdmi is evil or not i personally think it is but that's beside the point but here's the thing, you know, there there is there there's a certain limitation to HDMI. You cannot get it down to a certain size, uh, simply because there, you know, it it has to be within a certain. You have to have so many, you know, the the nineteen was it nineteen pins, uh, the nineteen uh, conductors on it. People are are moving to HD base T or AVB or other, you know, twisted pair versions. Michael, are, are we seeing the not the death, but but the diminishing of HDMI? And if so, is there something coming along to take its place that's going to be like it? You know, in other words, an actual another connector, or are we simply moving to the realm of strictly twisted pair in some way, shape, or form? Well, I, I get uh, I'm I'm often asked that question. Uh, I've been on panels at uh, some of the trade shows uh, uh, for like HDMI hot seat and so forth, and. Um, I'm going to tell you the same answer that I generally tell people that ask me that, and that is, um, you know, there's they're asking what's the next connector, what's the next, uh, and really my response generally is is uh, error. Um, there, uh, there's no need really for the HDMI connector uh, when I can produce a a link to from the device from the encoder or from the decoder or from your sink or source or whatever nomenclature you want to use and i can encrypt it the same way that is performed by the hdmi cable and so um, the next cable is really no cable uh, i like what you said about twisted pair because you know i mean we're all into networking and and that's good but guess what uh internet protocol uh isn't isn't uh, shackled down to a wired infrastructure. And so that's really what I would say is if you look at the mobile uses and the way displays are and and how it's going is you won't need an HDMI connector. So let me ask this, you know, we'll, we'll get Don's take on this. How long before, you said air, meaning wireless, how long before wireless is stable enough to handle 
you know, Blu-ray and, and not Blu-ray, but but HD. And, and we've already talked about 4K here and 8K is coming down the line. Will that hamper the move to wireless or will that essentially you know, speed that up? Well, I think that uh, it's that's already here. If you look at the uh, modern uh, wireless uh, transmission systems out there, they can already handle the uh, amount of data. Like UWB already can handle anything uh, 4K wise and any at any resolution. Even even the what a lot of people are doing right now, stacking projectors for like passive 3D you're still going to be able to do that over a UWB link very easily. And uh, the cost of and, and the what the IEEE does, and if you uh, – so I'm, I'm one of the members of the AVB uh, consortium, the avenue.org. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, we already uh, look at these things. And, yes, if you have networking infrastructure as a backbone, that's going to be desired. It's going to be needed. It's going to be very reliable. But the wireless links – uh, now are uh, are generally pretty reliable and robust. Okay, uh, Don, is this is Michael right? Where the the next connector really is air, uh, or do you think maybe there there'll be a, an interim, or am I just off my rocker and HDMI is going to be here until until there's nothing but you know wireless? Dear God, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> sorry, not a big fan of HDMI. Uh, um, those stupid things fall out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's possible that we could be looking at going right to wireless. Ultimately, you know, the, all the sci-fi uh, predictions of the future, that's where we're going to be. You know, just thought-based, you know, you think something and it happens and there's no wires and no cables and no direct connection or anything. Um, you know, we're not going there immediately. But uh, I think wireless is where we're going. I also shudder to think of that because wireless means you're going to need air bandwidth and, you know, already with the spectrum getting auctioned and getting repartitioned and divvied out and, and the, the license-free devices and the white space, you know, and the, the whole mess. I live in Washington, D.C., live and work in the Washington, D.C. area. This, with all the government agencies and the sporting things and the theatrical things, this is like the worst possible place on the planet for wireless spectrum. It's horrible trying to find frequencies that are available with such a critical mass of people using it. And if we're talking about putting all of our devices and all of our connectivity wireless, it makes me want to cry. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, I I hope there's something physical at some point until we come up with some magic solution that makes it all work well without the drama. But, you know, listening to my texts and everyone complain about the drama, it just frightens me. and, and, and the other thing is I noticed nobody ever mentions fiber. I mean, I, granted, my company does a lot of work in the government sector, and f- pretty much government's one of the only people that can afford mm-hmm. most of the fiber stuff out there. It's always been a cost factor. But, I mean, that's similar to wireless. It's using light, you know, and yeah. it's secure and it's fast and it can carry a lot of info. You know, why, why can't we look at some kind of solution where we all go to fiber for a while before we go to the scary wireless kill the people in the D.C. area, you know, something like that. Well, I don't disagree with you, but you're right. The 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 one thing about fiber is the cost, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like with the forty thousand uh, dollar you know UHD TV, there have to be early adopters that purchase the products that make the R and D possible, and eventually the prices will come down. The feds have been buying it. <laughs> We've got early adopters. It's our tax dollars. Come on, give us some cheap and affordable, you know, good stuff. But then, then st- you start yelling up to, to Jersey. I'll start yelling down to Texas, and we'll see who comes up first. <laughs> and Well, actually, no, Michael should yell at Texas. He's there in Austin. I'll yell over to Anaheim, and they can ignore me still. Uh, there you go. Um, well, and Don mentioned this. Um, the FCC is actually getting ready to auction off more wireless because that's what we need is – is is fewer uh, few, fewer megahertz, uh, Don? This is come actually comes comes to us from a website called Fierce Wireless. The guys that that live and breathe this stuff, and they're getting ready to auction off some spectrum blocks. First of all, you know what? Here's the thing, and it's the FCC, and something I've told my my students for years and years and years is that the FCC is the devil. 
because, <laughs> and I'm not being yeah, somewhat you know, tongue-in-cheek, uh, because they've somehow lost their way since the 1930s and, and when they were first introduced, which was to you know, protect the public good. Uh, it's actually in the document that started them. Um, so here's the thing. Are they protecting the public good by auctioning off these, uh, these spectrums of, of wireless? Maybe, but probably not. Okay. I, I, I think, all right, see, all right, when I first started the whole AV Dawn thing and started my blog way back in 2009, 2008, something like that, one of the very first things I wrote about was the whole white space issue and the, and the FCC, you know, re- reallocating and auctioning off the different uh, bands of, of frequency. And I felt like an idiot because then all these, like, you know, beware, beware, doom and gloom, Cassandra on the cliffs predictions, like none of them happened. But the more that they auction off and the more devices that come online in these things, the more we're going to start to see, you know, the law of unintended consequences, you'll go to the theater and not be able to hear things. Or, you know, already we're in the DC area, you know, it takes forever to find a wireless mic frequency that'll work in some of these downtown offices where every building around you has 30 different wireless mics plus whatever the government might be using and isn't telling you about you, you know it, it we're going to start bumping up on these problems there's only so much bandwidth there's only so many so much spectrum and the more we sell i mean don't get me wrong i'm a geek i love my toys i love my tech and the more stuff they sell the more cool things that come on the market that we can play with but eventually we're going to run out of air, you know, if, if everybody's trying to use the same spot. I mean, it's you know, if you've ever driven in D.C. traffic, it's the same thing. The, they ran out of road. Well, we're going to run out of frequency space and you're not going to be able to fit more stuff in, you know, and with every five year old having an iPad now or whatever, you know, it, it, it's, it's just going to get worse. Yeah. So I, I could write another blog. It didn't help the last <laughs> time. It's not going to help this time. Just. Well, let, let's let's be thinking, you guys, Michael, and others at manufacturers, to figure out ways to make. You know, I know Shure and, and Sennheiser and such are doing a great job of trying to figure out new ways of doing their mics so that they don't run into this problem. But like we said last story, if we're going to be going wireless, God help us all. You know, let's figure out what we're going to do here and come up with it. Well, and Michael Don makes is a good point. There is so, only so much spectrum, right? I mean, there. There is. Um, I'm not going to say it. You know, it's like the uh, the old story about the the uh, the patent um, uh, worker who said that nothing else can be invented. But there is only so much. There's a finite amount of spectrum. Um, so is the FCC okay in doing this, or, or should they maybe back off and and start allowing for more freedom? I guess in in, in the in the wireless spectrum. I, I think that uh, they should be doing this. Um, I think that uh, in order to spur innovation, we have to be able to allow some more uh, capabilities and, and different precision. So I, I actually am for it. Um, you know, originally in some of these auctions and in what they're uh, trying, if you you may recall, some of these auctions were initially meant to pay off our national debt. And, <laughs> that worked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So far, uh, <laughs> we're way behind. So we may need to sell even more. But <laughs> sell it all. Go ahead, keep going. Well, the the other thing is that's a little bit funny about this is um, once there's some migration into the different uh, uh, frequency bands, uh, sometimes you'll see that the previous bands do free up. And if you stick around a certain band uh, long enough, uh, you'll be amazed at how well the older frequencies start to work for an AV integrator. Uh, as everybody's moved into the new hot bands, um, you know, you it, it is interesting to me to, to see how the, the whole industry moves with these. So kind of stick it out where you are and eventually they'll move on to the, to the greener pastures. To the, to <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like a noise floor. There's a certain noise floor, and then if you stay in that, uh, you'll notice after a few years, the noise floor is reduced, and all of a sudden, the products uh, work uh, tremendously well. But I, I understand where Don's coming from, and, and it is challenging. You know, We have our own wireless microphones as well, and so it's definitely a, a challenge. Yeah, it, it is. And there's also um, a move to, uh, to register frequencies uh, mm. in, in your area, so... Um 
So yeah, there's that. So that that may help out some some people, like like churches and, and schools um, and government institutions, who you know they're going to be there for a while. So, all right, uh, that is all the time we have for AV Week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, with us has been Michael Braithwaite. He is the Chief Strategy Officer for Clear One. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Uh, thank where, you for having. Me. Where can people find you or find Clear One? Uh, if you come to our cute little website at uh, clearone, all one word, dot com, uh, that's where you can find uh, myself and some really cool uh, solutions. Clearone.com. It is a cute little website. Uh, <laughs> and also with us is Dawn Mead from NetAV. She's also known as AV Dawn, marketing and media coordinator there. Thank you so much, ma'am. No problem. My pleasure. How can pi- people find you, your bloggings and your Twitterings? If you're looking for me personally, I'm on Twitter at avdon, and I'm at avdon.com for my blog. Our company is at net-av.com, and we're an integrator here in Maryland. And if you're coming to the Infocom show and want to talk about social media and want to talk about marketing, I'm teaching a class, and I'm trying to pimp that class. So please, if you're free Wednesday morning, uh, sign up for the course at Infocom. It's social media and marketing for the small AV integrator. That is so awesome. You're teaching a class. I'm all excited. I saw you're teaching one too, sir. So I, I am I'm am seeing a class. I'm not smart enough to talk to okay. teach a class. <laughs> I am am seeing uh, the technology manager's symposium. Oh, there you That's go. That's a fancy word that means a bunch of us are gonna get together. Technology managers are are those of us who who kind of manage it for uh, for large organizations, churches and schools and and um and uh large corporations your husband now is a is a technology manager i i informed him the other day so uh he's also go ahead so he can come to your symposium and and you all can hire me to do your work yay so yeah (laughs) and we'll all use michael's product yes (laughs) see it works out in the end everybody wins in the end so yeah that one is is actually a super tuesday event so if you're if you're interested in that and you're a you're a technology manager go go hang out there and if you're interested in the in the shelter part please go sign up for for dawn's class that would be really cool uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, uh, it is TD Tim David Albright. But more importantly for me, really, uh, go by the website. Uh, they've done a really good job on it. It wasn't me. I'm not that talented. Uh, go by the website avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You can find us there. Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, LinkedIn, all sorts of other things. Uh, but it really does start there. You can find this show and others. Avnation.tv. Thanks so much for joining us. That is all the time we have for AV Week. 